today. Grab your Bibles. We're going right into the Word of God. We're going to Luke 16, the ninth through the 13th verse. I'll read in your hearing this morning. I'll be taking my text out of the New King James translation. If you don't have it, it is on the screen. Amen. God is good. The word of God reads in Luke 16 and 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Key. Tenth says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you or your trust the true riches? And 12 says, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And finally, 13 says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Key, you cannot serve God and mammon. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Father, how you've graced us to come into the house of God one more time. And Father, we pray that you've received our worship, but we also pray that you prepare and condition our heart, that we may receive your word this day, that we may be strengthened in our inward man. God, that we could live this life like you intended us to live. So we thank you for your word. I pray that I may decrease, that you may increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And the church said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the Lord's house this morning. We're in the fourth installment in our series entitled, The Blessed Life. And this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject, Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Somebody say that with me. Breaking the spirit of mammon. So we're going to get into this this morning. Note what Jesus says in verse 13. And as you find verse 13, I, I, I want to allude to something that I alluded to last week. Is that the majority of the scriptures that we are reading, that we have read, that we are reading, and that we will read before the close of this particular series, understand these are words by none other than Jesus, which is very crucial, very key to us understanding this particular subject because God himself is speaking this, not a prophet, not somebody way by the side, not an evangelist, but this is the creator. This is the one that hung the moon and the stars. This is the one that healed the sick, opened blinded eyes, this is Jesus himself declaring these things out of his mouth. So if we look at verse 13, we see here that Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Which the first question that comes to our reason is, what is mammon? What is this thing that Jesus is telling me that I cannot serve? Uh, uh, uh. He tells us that mammon, mammon, mammon comes from the Aramaic word meaning wealth, meaning money, meaning riches or earthly goods. In the Hebrew, we have to understand that this word meant to entrust or to place in someone's keeping as a verb and as a noun it refers to the wealth one in trust to anyone for safekeeping. In other words, you're giving it to them so that they can keep it for you. Kind of like the bank. You're, we're giving our money to the bank so that they can keep it for us. Hopefully, uh, get a little interest while they're keeping it for us. So, originally understand that this particular word had no bad connotations. This was all a good thing to entrust, to give it to somebody so that they could keep for you, to make sure that when you went back for it, that it was there. I'm pretty sure that all of us would be upset if we went back to the bank after we put our money in and they said that it wasn't there. <laughs> so this word initially, understand, had no negative connotations to it, but when you add the word unrighteousness, which is in our text this morning, it shifts the word from the word being something that is good to understand something that means something negative. Yeah, so the word mammon, it represents all kind of possessions. It represents your earnings. It represents your gains. Uh, it's the destination of of material value or materialism. And per se, nothing is wrong with any of these things. Nothing is wrong with a nice house. Nothing is wrong with a nice car. Nothing is wrong with nice clothes and nice watches and nice rings. Understand nothing. As I look out among this crowd this morning, I see some nice stuff. All right, y'all. <laughs> I see some nice things. Nothing's wrong with it. Nothing at all is wrong with it. But the problem that Jesus points out here because Jesus is illuminating this text and letting us know that there is a problem here. That nothing is wrong with having those things. But the problem comes in when those things have you. Oh, we're going to work with this this morning. Yeah, so we got to be careful not to allow these possessions, this mammon, this wealth, uh, the things that we own. We have to be careful not to allow those things to dictate to us, but we're dictating to them. Yeah, because if we don't understand it is though mammon is a stern master holding its subjects firm in grip and refusing to let go. And I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to hold me that tight. Yeah, I, I'd rather hold some things instead of some things hold me. <laughs> uh, I heard somebody say this. Uh, Isn't it amazing how we work all month just to pay it out to somebody else? Isn't it amazing? We, we work all, all month. Some 
40, some uh, some 80 hours a week. Uh, uh, I mean, just think about the totality, whether you get paid every two weeks or monthly. Understand, you're working all of that to give it to somebody else. So Jesus says, I, I got a problem. Now, not with mammon per se, but with how it is perceived. See, anything that we put our trust in other than the living God, understand, is a false God. And Jesus tells us in his word that when we serve other gods, uh, he's a jealous God. He doesn't want anything before him. He wants our focus on him. He wants our attention on him. He wants our pursuit to be on him instead of things. And See, when one trusts in mammon, understand they, they literally are saying they don't need God. In other words, when you are pursuing other things, when you are seeking them, you are really showing God and, and telling God, even if it's not out of your mouth, by your actions, you're telling him that you'd rather have it than have him. And I don't know about anybody in here, but the last time I checked that God can do more for me than anything can do for me. So the mammon is a spirit, a spirit that says we don't need God if we have wealth and riches. Mammon says if I got wealth and riches, why do I need God? Yeah, so this is a spirit that tries to replace God. <laughs> yeah, note what the text says. It says you can't serve God and mammon. So it's telling us that we're going to serve one or the other. <laughs> so, so, so when we serve God, understand we're operating up under his spirit. But the minute that we shift and begin to serve mammon, understand we're operating up under the spirit of mammon. And can I tell you that the spirit of man, mammon is none other than the spirit of Satan. Because after all, there's not but two on the battlefield. You know how you used to, used to sing that song. It's not but two. There's nobody but Satan and God. Good and evil, right and wrong. So we're serving one or the other one. We're either using our money for God or we're either using it uh, for contrary purposes and plans that only promote Satan instead of promoting God. Yeah, so most of us understand we grew up serving the spirit of mammon. Most of us were taught that if we make a lot of money, then we won't have any problems. Uh, maybe that was me. Maybe I heard that. Maybe uh, if I could just get the right job, if I could just go to school and get the right education, then I can come out and get the right job so that I can make a lot of money and I won't have to do particular things because I got some money. So we all understand we're operating up under the spirit of mammon. And there's a problem with that. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we ask, if we asked a lot of people that have money, they would tell you that they got some problems too. That if we asked movie stars, if we asked some great athletes, they would really tell us that even though they have a lot of money, there are still some issues that come along with that money. <laughs> 
I know we like to, we like to quote Ecclesiastics uh, 9, uh, 9 or, or 10, I think 10, uh, 16 through 19, where it talks about that money answereth all things. The more I looked at that particular verse, and we can go back and look at it, that many times we're taking that out of context. Yeah, we like to quote that verse, but we don't go back to see what 16, 17, and 18 had to say. Because there is a contrast in that particular verses or in those particular verses between 16 and 19. There's a contrast. There's something that is being compared in those particular scriptures. It talks about, uh, pull that up for me. If I don't have that in my text. but Let me just look at that just for a minute. Can we look at that just for a minute? I know I'm on a, a time, but let's look at this right quick. It says, a feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. And money is the answer for everything. Can we back up to 16? 16, okay. It says, woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. 17. It says, blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. There's a comparison being made here. Between a king that does right, a, uh, uh, a king that does not or is not lazy, a king that uh, serves and eats at the proper time and has strength and he's not trying to gather his strength by drunkenness. And then the next verse, it says, though laziness contrasts between these two kings, it says, the, the rafters sag, but the idle, because of idle hands, the, the house leaks. So this particular king is lazy. This particular king, understand, he, he's not taking care of the house. The rafters lag and the house leaks. Next verse. And then he says, a feast is made for laughter, talking about this particular king. Wine makes life merry for this particular king. And money is the answer for everything. So this particular king, understand, he's focused more on the negative things, focused more on drinking, focused more on living a life of merry, merry, focusing more on the pursuit of money because he believes that it answers everything. Uh, so we have to be careful about using that particular text. I've been guilty of using that particular text, taking that particular text and using it by itself just to say that money answers everything. But the truth of the matter is, is that money doesn't really answer everything. Because you can have a lot of money and still have a lot of problems. Yeah, there can be some issues and circumstances in your life that if you're not careful if you love money more than God, then those things will destroy your life when your focus should be on him. So can I tell you that this same spirit has crept inside the church? <laughs> this same spirit that this particular king had in Ecclesiastic has crept, has crept inside the church. It's crept in by something we call the prosperity gospel. Oh, I'm going to help somebody uh, this morning uh, because the prosperity message says give and you shall be given. Give and you shall get. The purpose on the giving 
so that I can get. So we got to be careful with that because this is really a false message because it's saying many times it is preached that uh, uh, if you give, understand, you're going to get a million. Oh, let me bring it home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to get a million. But the truth of the matter is that everybody is not going to get a million. I know it sounds good. Uh, I, I know it sounds, all those zeros sound good, but the truth of the matter is not everybody's going to have a million. Not everybody is going to wear a Rolex. Not everybody is going to drive a Bentley. Oh, I, I hate to bust somebody bubble this morning. <laughs> I know that might have been your pursuit, but the truth of the matter is that if God has not ordained that for your life, understand you won't get it. You got to be in the will of God. Yeah, yeah. And see, that false message has caused many people to be discouraged and blame God when it doesn't happen. Has anybody ever blamed God when you thought that you deserved something? And he didn't give it to you? <laughs> yeah, but can I tell you that? I've been guilty of that. Yeah, I, I include myself. Yeah, I've been guilty of that. But I, I've been dead wrong. Because understand, if it's not in the will of God, if it's not time, it may be in the will, but it may not be the time. So we got to be careful. We got to make sure that we're in the will of God in the right season so that God can do what he wants to do in our lives. And even in what state we're in, we're rejoicing and we're happy, even though we may not have what we really want to have. <laughs> and see, the problem with this message is that it promotes selfishness and greed into our lives when actually God is trying to work that stuff out of us. Yeah, God is trying to work greed out of us trying to work selfishness out of us because can I tell you that those are not his characteristics? No, those are characteristics uh, of, of the end. We came in this world, checked with iniquity. We came in serving uh, the devil. Uh, uh, yeah, we came in serving him. Yeah, we were trying to fulfill our own desires. We were trying to, you know, uh, satisfy our flesh. Because, but, but how many know there's one thing that you can't satisfy, which is that flesh? Yeah, Paul said, I, I found another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, trying to bring me back into captivity. He understood that though he was saved, the flesh wasn't saved, and the flesh is always trying to satisfy itself. Ooh, you give it some ice cream. <laughs> yeah, you give it some vanilla, it wants some chocolate. <laughs> you give it some tea, it wants some soda. <laughs> I mean, by the time you think you satisfied this flesh, here it is crying out for something else. Yeah, so the spirit of mammon, understand, it promises what only God can give. It promises identity. It promises security. It promises significance and happiness and joy and peace. The spirit of mammon tells you that uh, if you have more, you'll be happy. Yeah, if you have more, you're going to be happy. If you have more, then People are going to pay more attention to you. If you have more, maybe your marriage might be better. But the truth is, is that only God can promise these things. If we're focused on the spirit of mammon or allowing it to use us, understand we're going to be riding an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, because when we have more, yeah, we're going to be worried about who's trying to take it. Don't think that millionaires and don't stay up at night wondering and how they're going to protect their money. Who's after their money? Because I'm telling you, if you 
uh, get a little money, you're going to see some people that you hadn't seen in a while. Everybody's going to come. Everybody is going to try and get some of it. Why? Because they, 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 they want, a lot of people want something that they don't, yeah, they don't necessarily want to work for. So they come into your door and you, you got to try to protect it. Or if you don't have enough, yeah, then you're sad. Then you're discouraged. Then you're mad at somebody else because they got more than you got. Has anybody ever been there? Yeah, mad at people because, you know, I mean, they're going about their own business and, you know, they're doing things and, and they have stuff and you're just looking at them and mad at them because you think you're supposed to have what they have. Oh, <laughs> oh but when we trust God, yeah, I mean, you can have peace and joy knowing that even though you don't have, if he got it, you got it. Oh, uh, y'all ain't going to help me on the day. Uh, I mean, when we realize that he owned cattle on a thousand hills, when we realize that it is he that giveth the power to get wealth, I mean, we can be happy even though I may not have what the next person got. Yeah, as I look across this room this morning, understand all of us are in various different uh, financial categories, but the truth of the matter is, is that we can all still be happy and still joyful and still praise God no matter what our economic condition is because all I got to do is call on God. Yeah, the last time I checked, he said, I'll never leave you, neither will I forsake you, but I'll be a very present help in the time of trouble. I've called on him when the bank account said zero, but it's something about God that will show up even in the midst of all our trouble. Oh, he'll show up and let you know, yeah, that you don't have to have confidence in that. All you got to do is have confidence in me. Can I get a witness in the building? Think about it. God never told anybody they needed more money. God never said that. I mean, we find nowhere in Scripture where Jesus said that the answer to one's sickness, the answer to one's blindness, the answer to one's lameness was money. Nowhere do we find it. Jesus didn't tell blind Bartimaeus that money was the cure for his blindness. He didn't tell the woman who had been bent over for 18 long years that money would solve her problem. In fact, the woman with the issue of blood had money, and she had gone to everybody that she thought was the best hematologist, yeah, seeking deliverance and healing, but found none, but when she found Jesus, whoo, glory to God, she found what money couldn't do. Yeah, and I'm here to tell you that, that, that we serve a God that, I mean, it, it doesn't matter how much money we have, if we have him then really we got everything that we need. Oh, back to the text. So look what the apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 19. He says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. That's key there, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So God has a wealth of riches and it's just not money because sometimes I don't need money. <laughs> I mean, he has a wealth of riches like goodness like forbearance, like long-suffering, like glory, like sometimes I just need wisdom. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, like knowledge, like grace. Matter of fact, sometimes I just need some mercy. 
Anybody need some mercy? <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes I need God to look over some stuff that I should have done but didn't do. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean I might didn't dot every I and cross every T and every now and then I need some mercy following me. Some goodness and mercy following me. Yeah. So he has everything that we need. The second question uh, that we have to ask ourselves is is money evil? Is money evil? When Jesus says unrighteous, mammon, understand, he's referring to that spirit that is attached to it. Uh, note I said spirit that is attached to it. So all of us have heard <laughs> that spirit talk to us. Yeah, we've heard it. We've heard it whisper in our ear. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you might have been out shopping or, and heard that spirit say, you know, you know what people would say if you drive a car like that? Or you're driving down the neighborhood and you hear that spirit saying, what would you look like? in that house what would people say how much more would they look to can I tell you that even in the church we've heard that spirit talk to us in offering time we've heard that spirit talk to us I wouldn't give that if I were you you know you can do a little bit more with that you know you got a vacation plan that you could use that money towards can I tell you that? I mean, you, you really think that's God? I'm, ha I'm helping somebody. Do you really think that's God telling you to withhold from him? Or is it another spirit? I, I want to suggest to you that it's another spirit. That it's the spirit of mammon that is talking, that is whispering in our ear, trying to get us outside of the, of the will of God for our lives because that spirit knows that if we bless God with what we have, yeah, that God is going to step up and bless our lives. Uh, yeah, because the truth of the matter is that all money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God or it has the spirit of mammon on it. So whatever money that you have right now has either the spirit of God on it or the spirit of mammon. Now this is Bible. Uh, oh, come, come go with me. <laughs> it's Bible. Let's look at this. I mean, the Bible tells us that when we give God the tenth, the, the first 10%, he says, I'll turn around and I'll bless the 90. In other words, God is saying, you give the 10 and I'll put my blessing or my spirit on the 90. So that means that if I don't give him the 10, well, let, let, let me say this. Didn't he say that I will redeem the 90? He says, if you give the 10th, I'll redeem the 90. So in other words, he's saying, I'll redeem the 90. I'll bring it to me. I'll put my spirit on it so that you can do more with the 90 than you could with the 100. Uh, I don't think y'all believe me on that. Uh, I mean, he says, he says, if you bring it to me, I'll, I'll bless what you have left. Well, let's look at 1 Timothy. My time is 6 and 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Yeah. And pierced themselves through, through, through many sorrows. So Paul is telling Timothy, he, he, he's helping Timothy out here. He's trying to let 
Timothy know that there's nothing wrong with money. But there's a spirit that if you don't use it properly will cause you to love it. So it's not bad to have it, but just don't love it. Because we'll do some crazy stuff if we love it. Yeah, well, have you ever done some crazy stuff off of love? <laughs> stuff that after you did it, you look back and wish you had not done it. But love calls you to do it. Love pushed you out there and said you out there by yourself. <laughs> so Paul tells Timothy, nothing wrong with money, but don't love it. He said, because if you love it, it has caused many to stray away from the faith because they, they have been greedy after it. They pursue it more than God. And it has pierced them with many sorrows. Yeah, it's caused them to regret a lot of stuff. And I know I got some witnesses in here that, you know, we've regretted a lot of things that we did just because we pursued the wrong thing. I mean, I like really what the Message Bible says. It says, lust for money brings trouble. And nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and regret and live to regret it bitterly ever after. There are three things that test a man's character. Three things. One is money, one is power, and one, uh, and one is the ability or the availability of sex. Because the truth of the matter is, if you look at the downfall of many men in our nation, it has been because of these three things. Yeah, the pursuit of money, greed. Yeah, greed. The pursuit of power, getting that power and think that they're above everybody else. And then we can mention the many men of the gospel who have fallen after sex. So these three are three dangerous things that we have to be careful that if we allow them to lead us and guide us, money will become evil to us. Luke 16 and 9, oh my time, it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. This is good right here. That when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting in an everlasting home. I told you to take note of everlasting home when we were reading the initial uh, scripture because this is key. I used to think that this scripture meant that you would do for people and they would do for you. Yeah. That you would treat them well with money and eventually somewhere down the line they would treat you well with money. But the problem is, is that the text talks about everlasting. It doesn't talk about right now. It says it tells us to make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they, note, may receive you into an everlasting home. Not around here, but everlasting. Hmm. So what is the text actually saying? That the unrighteous mammon that we ought to take the unrighteous mammon and use it for good. Well, one of the ways that we use unrighteous mammon for good, of course, is the 10%. That when we give the 10% to God, understand we're using or it's being used for kingdom purposes. That allows the 10% that God gives or that we give, 
It allows it to go to the church so that they have ability or the ability to operate in a capacity that makes it available for others to come in and get strengthened and get saved and get baptized and allow their lives to grow spiritually so that they could be more in tune with God. Uh, so when this happens, understand the text is telling us that we are gaining friends. In other words, we're gaining other brothers and sisters in Christ. It says that when you fail, if you go back and look at this in your leisure, when you fail or better yet, when you die. <laughs> Or when you leave here. I mean, we see this. It says, when you leave here, they will welcome you into heaven or everlasting. I mean, the Amplifier says this. It says, and I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourselves, not for here, but it says for eternity. By means of wealth, of unrighteousness. This is use material resources as a way to further the work of God so that when it runs out, they, key, will welcome you into eternal dwellings. I like the God's word translation. It says Jesus continued. Notice it says Jesus continued. These are Jesus' words that are speaking. He says, I'm telling you that although wealth is often used in dishonest ways, he says you, the believer, yeah, the one that's saved, the one that's now operating in a different capacity, now using what you have for uh, the kingdom of God. He says, he says, although wealth is often used in dishonest ways, he says you should use it to make friends for yourselves. When life is over, you will be welcome into an everlasting home. So understand, there, there are going to be people that get to heaven because of you. Uh, I, thought, I thought somebody would be more excited than that. I mean, there are going to be people that maybe you didn't witness to, but your money reached them. In other words, there may be people because of the church, because you were able to fund the church and the church was able to do outreach. The church was able to, to, to have the lights and the water on and have a place that people could come and children could come and, and people could get saved. They could get baptized. They could get filled with the precious Holy Ghost. Understand that when you get to heaven, those people are going to welcome you in. Because you have made a way for them. Oh, my God. See, that's why when I start telling, a pe telling people about our church, I don't tell them about me. I don't tell them about First Lady because it's not about us. But it's about what we're able to do for the kingdom. It's about the souls of people. Can I tell you that that building next door is not about a building? Can I tell you that building is about souls? Can I tell you that building is about, oh, we have the possibility of impacting 600 people on a given Sunday. Why do you say that? Because it holds 200. It will hold 200 plus. So imagine having three services. That's a possibility of 600 people being impacted in one building on a given Sunday. Why? Because we're able to have a facility to, to, to meet their needs. We're able to have a facility. Imagine how many young children that we could impact. 
think about. The daycare is going to impact children and families and we're going to be able to minister to them and, and nurture them and care for them. Can you imagine? The Bible is telling us that when we do this and give the resources to further the kingdom of God, it's not about a building. It's not about pastors. It's not about first lady, but it's about that person right now that's on drugs. That person right now is outdoors. That person right there now that does not have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ooh, it's about somebody's husband that needs to be saved. It's about somebody's wife that needs to be saved. Somebody's child that you've been crying out for that needs to be saved. Somebody's co-worker that needs to be saved. Somebody's neighbor that needs to be saved. I think about it. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, in this very facility right here, these, these seats are packed with people that are, 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 are attending AA. Can you imagine? Every one of these seats being, I mean, really we, gotta, we have a possibility to impact an a, a, a astronomical amount of people 600 people on a sunday but think on tuesday nights these seats are full and on thursday nights these seats are full with different people can you imagine what god can do in and through us here at faith to impact the lives of people oh anybody glad about that oh oh my god Oh, so when we give and understand we're not in, investing in things, but we're investing in the only thing that's everlasting. <laughs> yeah, and I'm closing it. The only thing that's everlasting. Because truth of the matter is that your house is not going to last forever. Your car, I mean, I don't care how nice it is. I don't care, you know, if you keep it. Somebody told me that they had a Mercedes and they only drove it on when they went out of town, I said, well, that's good, but it ain't going to last. It ain't going to last. You might pull it out. There's something wrong with it. It's not going to last. Clothes, nice clothes are not going to last. The only thing that is going to last, can I tell you, is the souls of people. The souls of people. That's the only thing. Gonna, this body even ain't going to last. It's going to go back to the dust. But the soul has to go somewhere. And can you imagine as a church, God is trying to position us so that we could not only live a blessed life, but so we can help position somebody else to live a blessed life. Because it's just not all about us, but it's about others. Anybody glad about that this morning? It's about others. And my time is up, but the last question is, what should we do with money? Can I tell you that God wants us to be good stewards? I mean, whether it's 50000 that we, 30000 that we make, or whether it's 130000 at the end of the day, God just wants us to be faithful. He's not judging me because I got more than you. No, he wants us to be faithful over what he's given us, and then we, when we be faithful, the Bible says that he'll give us more. He'll give us more. He will give us. If we're faithful over the 30, he'll, he'll give us 50. If we're faithful over the 50, he'll increase that to 70. And beyond because that's the kind of God that we serve and I don't know anybody in here that don't want more than what you got 
Y'all help me in here. I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Glory to God. So God gives us that. And he says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Isn't that what we're after, the true riches? Which is, again, people, souls. It's not about things. That's what true riches is. So he tells us this. And he tells us this so that we can break this spirit of mammon that is destroying our nation. It's destroying our nation. It's destroying our government. It's causing people to pursue things that they ought not be pursuing. Or at least having more focus on them than on God. Because God should be our first focus. Can I get a witness in the building? And when we focus on him, he's able to provide us with everything that we need. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. So that's the kind of God we serve. We ain't got to pursue it. He, <laughs> he told the prophet, he said, he said, you know, uh, there's some taxes that need to be paid. He didn't tell him to sell no chicken plates or fish plates. But he said, you know what? He said, go down to the wharf. And, 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 and I can imagine that because when God does things, he, he, he does these things for eternity. In other words, he's already done them. They've already been prepared. So can I tell you that maybe when he hung the moon and stars, divided the firmaments, when he created the fish, very well possibility that he already created that fish to have what he needed in his mouth so that when he called for it, it was there. I mean, that's the kind of God we serve. That everything we need is already provided for us. Anybody glad about that? He says, I know you're in from your beginning. I know the plans that I have for you. I know what I purpose and plan for your life. Yes, I don't have to do it, I've already done it. Anybody glad about that this morning? Breaking the spirit of mammon. It's a spirit that tries to control us. But when we focus on God and put him first, we break that spirit right in two so that God can truly do a work in our life.